what the fuck is happening on Krakoa? I mean, this is what the the this is this is the uh, the the whole thing of the podcast, right? This is this is what we're doing today. It's the that, material that is we're covering. The only question on my mind for the last like five days since I've read what we're reading for this episode. Inferno fucked me up. <laughs> 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 I sent you a message. <laughs> I was like the last quarter of my no- or no, like yeah, like all of my notes from halfway through issue three and on are in all caps. Just fuck, man. <laughs> so much <laughs> like I uh, I hate I try not to cuss too much. So we're like we're like young adult family friendly. Oh, we are. <laughs> well, in terms of like the vocabulary, you. Oh, okay. I cuss a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like you cuss too much. Okay. Compared to like how I conversationally, how much I conversationally cuss, I think the total volume of cuss words is pretty low for okay. the two of us. Okay. Appreciate it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, I've yeah. had I've had other things to talk about for cold opens for a couple <laughs> weeks now, but things. This is the only week I can talk about this. Shit's got real. <laughs> what the what the what? fuck is, is what in God's honest fuck? Crick yeah, on. my gods, my gods. <sighs> Okay, let's talk. What are we yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's is good this? thing it's good thing we have a podcast, which is what we're doing now. Hype was my superpower. <laughs> where where we talk about comic books with things that we're hyped on. Clearly we are hyped on the continuation of the Krakoa saga ongoing. I'm so in glad X Men books. Podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> you would explain otherwise. It. Yeah. Oh Lord. So uh today this week we Who read. Are you? Oh, fuck. Really? <laughs> I'm Steve Storin. Oh, my. <laughs> Best buddy, Will Freeland. <laughs> None of this shit matters. It's oh. the art that matters, goddammit. The miracles of modern technology bring us together, and we're talking yes. about Marvel Comics, and we there read we comics, go. and we're reading, we're reading, we're reading X books. Yeah, Trials of X volumes five and six, and the Inferno limited series. Yes, this is a this is a whopper of a of an episode. We've been trying to keep X episodes to like twelve issues, and we're definitely doing like seventeen tonight. So I couldn't. <laughs> well, first of all, this keeps us on two book cadence going forward for the rest of our Krakoa books. And second, yeah. I, should, I just couldn't wait any longer before reading Inferno. Man, I had no idea what Inferno was going to have. So yeah. the so when you when when you buy the Inferno collection, oh, it has nothing. Hardcover. Well, no, this so Oh, it had a dust jacket. All of yeah, it had a jacket and on the jacket it has Moira McTaggart. Yes. Moira X. Yeah. 
And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? And she, it's, it's the cover for issue one. It's this cover. Oh. And so it has a bunch of, it has the quiet council pass out on the ground and Mora standing in the middle of all of it. And that is the only hint I had about what Inferno was going to cover. And I was like, how does this... And then then we read uh, House of 92. Yeah. And it ends with with Jubilee's secret coming out and and her like leading into a new era for... Uh, 92 Krakoa and I was like oh no <laughs> we've also got a red herring going on this whole time because I don't know about you but when I think when I hear the word inferno in the X-Men context I think I'm Madeline Pryor magic oh okay <laughs> well and 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 magic yes yeah both of them but we've well, I'm we've, thinking limbo at least right <laughs> yeah yeah but we we so we just had you know this whole thing about like with Gabby's resurrection that they have changed their policy on clones and resurrection. And so and that me- that means that Madeline Pryor is is eligible. eligible. Yeah, yeah. So there should have been there could have been there a could whole have been. havoc havoc fighting for bringing Madeline back. And Scott and Cable and We've got a. We've got, oh my god! Right, it's Cable's mom. Yeah, <laughs> I I forget that way too often. <laughs> I also was just you know kind of randomly on Wiki looking at X Men stuff like you do today. Uh, I was looking at the history of Roma and Merlin and remembered that Madeline was part of the group in the fall of the mutants when they were fighting the adversary who sacrificed her life, allowed herself to be sacrificed to forge's spell to destroy the adversary, to resolve fall of the mutants and free, oh. and free Roma. And was they were all revived by Roma. So she has died in service of the X-Men before. <laughs> she was their ally for quite a while. But anyway, that's neither here nor there we're already getting ourselves distracted from talking about yeah we're we're diving into stuff that didn't happen yeah <laughs> also we're not going to talk about inferno it's going to be the last thing we talk about on this book right or we do want to start off with it no for inferno's last okay cool because yeah yeah because <laughs> because we, we will never be able to stop it's only oh, through God. the idea of an impending, you know, time limit or dinner or something that we'll get ourselves to stop talking about Inferno. So let's start with yeah. Onslaught so Revelation five. instead. Trials yeah, five, Trials five is Onslaught, the Onslaught, Re- Re- the Onslaught Revelation, X Men yeah. number three, Excalibur twenty three, and X Corp three and four. Most of this book, like on the Onslaught Revelation, is like a double or a triple issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big boy. Yeah. Yeah, so to re- so Onslaught Revelation flows straight out of Way of X. It is a continuation of that storyline, which we covered the end of Way of X two episodes ago. So if you didn't hear that, jump right in. But a quick recap, <laughs> Onslaught has been introduced by Orcus into uh, Krakoa as sort of like a um, psychic 
destabilization uh, so society level weapon. And it is it lives in the resurrection queue and it eats lost the lost bits of life after the last backup between the backup and the resurrection. And, the and, death, yeah. and it also inserts itself into every mutant who is resurrected. Um, yeah, so tiny little slivers. Yep. And it, it caused a mass casualty event that led to a lot of mutants being resurrected at once. And when they did, they all get the, got this idea to have a giant murder party called the Crucible, which would restore its godhood. And also Xavier's sitting around just deleting everybody's backups. Well, I mean... Physically, it's Xavier, but it's yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, to that point, it's onslaught. Yeah, my one of my takeaways from reading trials five and six mm-hmm. is that they are addressing obvious questions that I've never thought to ask. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like they're just, I, I, I guess that's that's a a sign of how good the writing is that I'm just like going with it and not even like thinking Uh outside of any box that they've presented. Yeah. But like, as soon, like it's like the third page when they're like, it shows a, like an onslaught possessed Xavier just going through and it talks about the resurrection protocols and yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, and, and here's Xavier deleting the backups. And I was Uh like, Oh, <laughs> you could just rebrose a computer. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought about what if somebody messes with the computer. Yeah, <laughs> especially as many as many tech based mutants there are. That's true. Oh yeah. my lord! Yeah, I I, I never. It, I, <laughs> my jaw dropped, <laughs> and it's in the it's it's in the smallest little cell of part. Like there's a two page splash, and then there's three cells on the right side, and in the middle cell it just says to delete the backups, and it shows Xavier with his helmet looking all sinister, and he's got yeah. his onslaught frame on, and it's just yeah. like oh. You can delete backups. Yeah. <laughs> we just like we just had the Hellfire Gala where <laughs> where Wanda added thousands, millions more backups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. a save file. You can <laughs> you you can delete save files. Oh my god. <laughs> Ridiculous. Blowing my mind right now. Yes. So yeah, so so that's what's going on. That's what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. It's a ball. Yeah. And Legion got a gate seed, Kirkcone gate seed, put it in his brain. And now that, and he has set it up as basically a safe haven from Onslaught's influence. They call it the altar. Um, There's a little note here that says uh, Legion's brain has been a functional pocket universe before, but this is the first time he's done it intentionally. Intentionally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So So basically he's renting a space in the astral plane Mm -hmm. and has created a place basically for mutants to travel to to basically one be free of onslaught's influence and two it's like it's like a all or one one for one or all yeah kind of like mind meld yeah lawnmower man 
Yes. And so he basically, he grabs Pixie first because she has uh, the soul dagger and she is able to uh, free the corruption from a bunch of other people. And this, at this point, it kind of splits off into two. We've got Nightcrawler with Cortez and Lost <laughs> once again. And then we also have sort of Pixie's quest in, in the Crucible, releasing more people and, and kind of like stopping the Crucible. So the the Nightcrawler side of things, we learned that he restored Cortez, uh, Fabian Cortez from his coma in secret because after the climax of Way of X number five, he had a revelation about the the spark is what we're calling it the um you know sort of what the social idea or the 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 guiding principle of his new mutant religion although we'll learn later not a religion is and had to entrust of all people of all mutants in the world shitstain fabian cortez to with the with it to to tell him later and so way of x5 ended with um cortez you know, in a coma, not recommended for resurrection and onslaught possessed Xavier being a, a real, real dick about it. And so, yeah, we learned that he got woken up and he remind, reminded Kurt of the spark. Uh, <laughs> Legion calls Cortez a sebaceous gland with shoes. <laughs> um and then, you know, we re- reestablished the the lost Cortez conflict where Cortez murdered Lost's human parents. And so they, you know, hate each other. But she, you know, Legion is like psychically fucking with him and she takes his hand while he's afraid. Nightcrawler starts preaching about fish. <laughs> and basically the idea of it is like, you know, Death has to mean something in order for life have to mean something, but we can still use our immortality as a way to to go in unexpected directions and and kind of like not, by not being afraid of death, we can pull pull ourselves in evolutionary distinct and unpredictable directions, and we get this long sort of like bio on Cortez. Says he's hated himself for as long as he can remember. He calls himself a persecution tourist because he was this privileged, rich boy. Was so excited to have a cause once his mutant powers developed, but ironically, they only work in the service of others. He says there's no ego in being Captain MacGuffin. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I really like this because it and it kind of like details how he came to the acolytes. And besides being like. An incredible job trying to humanize or mutantize, whatever, well characterize one of the like, you know, three, four mutants on Krakoa. I'm just like, nah, fuck that guy. Right? (laughs) Yep. Him, Fenris, Empath. Anyway, you know, besides just like doing an incredible job turning that. (laughs) Sebastian <laughs> Glenn with shoes into an actual character. It gives a good backstory into what the hell was going on with Magneto's villain turn in the uh, 90s in the Jim Lee era because he like, had spent an entire decade on this rehabilitation arc all through the 80s and had like, joined the school, had like, gone full good guy more or less, and then boom, 
they decided they wanted him to be a villain again. And he just got completely hit with the villain ball and it was kind of obnoxious. And there was a whole thing with like Moira McTaggart reduced him to infancy and, you know, altered his genome and all that, which is like cool house of house of X powers of 10 Krakoa, you know, trivia. But also like, I really like the idea of Cortez's part in this. Like he had, he so badly had to be this like, persecuted dude that he would do anything to sort of like move prop up or otherwise influence Magneto towards villainy, basically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, is like Cortez is like, you know, I, I fought for all these call causes. I never believed in anyone that's kind of fucked up and, you know, lost after hearing the whole story says i cannot forgive you but today i do not hate you and then the spark spreads to her meanwhile <laughs> in the pixie <laughs> side of the story in the crucible she soul daggers blink dazzler loa and dj you know kind of like releasing them from onslaught and returning them to legion's brain and then she does the same to magneto and then <laughs> they do the same with Dr. Nemesis and he shares his brain mushrooms with the party crowd to make them all <laughs> chill out so that when Dazzler and DJ hack the, uh, hijack the crucible uh, the, and lead everybody to Legion's brain to have the party in there, now they've kind of like stopped Onslaught's murder party. Side note, there are a lot of parties on Krakoa. Have you noticed that they're just like, just having Always giant parties arming. all the time. Yeah. It's fucking, it's, who wrote this? Fucking Spurrier <laughs> watched a lot of the Matrix <laughs> revolutions specifically. <laughs> I mean, you've yeah, you had the there, first. There big, are a lot of, okay. The first big I one when say, they founded Krakoa, you have the Hellfire Gala, you have the Crucible. I think, I think the way I can write this off is that. On Krakoa, there is a concert stage, and yes. there's and there's enough music themed mutants that there can almost always be a show going on. <laughs> and they're all young, or a lot of them are young. You know, you've got a lot of teenagers. Like they would be partying every week anyway. So yeah, it checks out. Yeah, no okay. one's sitting at home playing video games. Oh, I guess they were on like <laughs> X Factor. Oh they were yeah, playing some games, but yeah. <laughs> It's not my crowd, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, so basically Orcus, we learned that Orcus bound Onslaught to Lost and specifically Lost's hate for Cortez. So when she let it go, it was cured and kind of popped free for big climactic fight. Um, Cortez, a note here, you're saying that yet again, my beautiful heroic moment was all about fulfilling somebody else's journey. <laughs> and Nightcrawler says, you make a shit hero, Fabian Cortez. But Krakoa <laughs> has plenty of those. What we need is strong links in the chain instead. And then turn the, the spotlight over to fucking dust. What the fuck? Like, okay. It was, this part was amazing, but yeah. I would not argue that I understood what happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like, if you take a mutant's powers at all literally like you try and understand literally any the physics of literally any mutant's powers they become god tier right like that you know it's like what's dust powers and she turns into dust 
Okay, turns into but dust cloud. She manages. I mean, she's she's the dry version of Iceman. Yeah, yeah. And if we've already established, <laughs> if we've established that Iceman is Omega level, right? Then why exactly. not dust? Yeah, and so basically, it's like turning into dust, into sand, whatever. Like, uh, yes, she can do that, but think about like the incredible power of being able to maintain a like stable consciousness through billions of, you know, discrete disconnected particles. Like that's how dust becomes God tier. And so Nightcrawler renames her congregation. Oh. Mm, Legion calls her that. Oh, Legion. That's right. My bad. We have yet to see if that's going to stick. If yeah. I'm, if I'm really honest. Cause uh, I guess also, Mutants only ever go by their like mutant name when they're right. doing like X Men shit. And right. Soraya has not been doing much X Men shit. Not in the last <laughs> ten years, fifteen. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So we saw her uh, managing the dust storms on Mars, but she was like they dressed her as Soraya because mm-hmm. she hasn't been doing X Men shit. And then she shows up in the altar and does this thing and legion says that a better name for her would be congregation yeah i'm curious if she's gonna like latch Ever on to that it. or not yeah we'll see mm-hmm. i like more soraya kadir in my life but anyway so yeah we we get another rant from from uh kurt kurt's just like Kurt's just in his element. He's just saying all this shit, right? He's having Imperf- a great inspiration time. Yeah. <laughs> Imperfect replication is the engine of individuality. Love is the product of risk. Evil can be overcome by humility. He's just spitting, right? <laughs> <laughs> the power and privilege of always daring something new, the spark. And then we get a full-on just sort of like a first definition of the spark. Definitions and abstractions. Chapter one, verse one through seven. This is not a mutant religion. This is a way of living, of loving and expressing and fighting and being. It moves us to adapt without restraint. It does not require prayer nor veneration. It does not demand that you put away your old gods. The spark is not jealous. The spark is innovation and risk and mischief and courage. If we allow it to guide us, if we invite it to inspire our thoughts and actions, I truly believe it will save us. The spark is an anathema to meaninglessness. The spark is creative. The spark is patient. The spark is bright and beautiful despite having no form or mind. In truth, the spark is barely real at all. The spark is just an idea, and yet, the spark will burn to ash anyone who fucks with the right of mutants to pursue happiness. I like it. I'm into it. I I could go for some spark shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's basically just like have have fun while you breathe yeah <laughs> like appreciate all the things yeah appreciate life focusing the on the big around, yeah. and so that's kind of the mindset that we instill into every single mutant that is in the altar <laughs> literally all of them <laughs> by by kumbayaing this <laughs> onslaught loses his power, which yes. is based on like hatred and fear and 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 like the negative. And so he loses his power and shrinks in size to the size of a, like a, um, a little an apple appendix or something. <laughs> it looks like some kind of organ. Yeah. And then 
Nightcrawler picks him up and squishes him. Yep. Crushes, crushes him in his hand. So just for the sake of cr- just checking this box, Onslaught is not a mutant, right? It's it's a, a psychic being entity created, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just a it's kind of a thought experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's not eligible for resurrection protocols. I would, I would, I would, yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so it kind of ends with like, so the, the procreation gardens that uh, we got introduced to in the first issue of Way of X have basically moved to the altar. Mm-hmm. And now the altar is kind of a place where people go and hang out and then yep. they end it with uh legion talking about how this is also we're going to keep the bad people because we don't want to feed krakoa i guess oh anymore is that like that's kind of the okay i didn't i didn't pick that up well the whole like mutant cops with the brain with the yeah. my brain is a precinct the council's not going to like it because because right. that's where they're going to keep people now Oh, I, th- I thought it was less about like jailing them and more about just like this is a place for for people to like connect and learn and love and just like a a cool spot. Mm. And and then it also is sort of like home base or headquarters for this new, you know, they're saying peacekeepers, shepherds, mutant Jedi, cops, and 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 nightcrawler with his new look with the goatee and the long jacket is like legionaries which okay but <laughs> okay buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's not police must offend what unites us not punish the growing pains yeah maybe and then i, I don't I, I think i just yeah grabbed on to a legion's perspective and then do you i don't i don't think you have what i had so let me share my screen here we've We've got a, uh, at the end of the issue, we've got a, a, a sort of an ad promo here. And it, it says, we keep, the peace, we, keep we keep the peace, we keep the law, we keep the spark coming soon. And then we've got. Oh, this is probably Legion of X. Yep. A splash for the team of Legion of X. So you've got uh, Nightcrawler, you've got Pixie, you've got Dr. Nemesis, you've got Juggernaut. And you've got these two folks who, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. New characters. Potentially. <laughs> Yeah, interesting that Juggernaut's here. Right? Being not a mutant. Yeah. There so was I a wonder... ju- was there a Juggernaut like series or something? Yes. Okay. Did you read it? Recently. Yes. Okay. Actually, and it's got that look. So his look is more okay. black armor. Okay. Because he's been so okay. It's kind of a two-parter. One is X-Men Black Juggernaut, which is five single issues look looking at different um enemies that issue of juggernaut is him basically taking Sidorak's blessing without Sidorak's acknowledgement like he he denies servitude to Sidorak huh and then we also find out that there are excuse me I think seven gems of Sidorak and so he leaves to go and find those other gems and since he doesn't have the blessing of Sidorak anymore, he doesn't have the armor. And then in the first volume of Juggernaut, he hears about this guy in some random mountain that had solidified, did a made the bands of Sidorak permanent hmm. and crafted armor out of those bands. 
And so, huh. so Kane gets those bands and that's his armor right now. And how, how recently was this? This was 21, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Juggernaut. Volume yeah, 3, Unstoppable. 2021. Okay. Yeah. So that series, those. he puts together his own little group. And then he's, and like the volume issue five ends with him being like, okay, we're, t- we have a, we're a new team now. We're going to be good people. Like we're not going to be villains and let's go. Hmm. Written by Fabian. It was cool. It made me excited for the future, but then they never did a second volume. I'll have to check it out. Well, Onslaught Revelation. Fucking great. Onslaught Revelation was was fun. As we were kind of saying before the before we started recording, this was a lot more of like just the conclusion than the climax. The climax really happened at the end of Way of X. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should we move on to X-Men 3? Interest in keeping things happy? If we want to talk about Inferno, yes, we definitely need to move on. Okay. (laughs) So X-Men 3. So the first two volume, first two issues of X-Men have been dealing with Cordyceps Jones and that market and sending random things for the new X-Men to deal with. Yeah. At the end of the last issue, Gene got a vision of Cordyceps and now, so they have this awareness that <laughs> there's a fungus man there's in a space suit people, who's trying to kill them. People are trying to mess <laughs> with the X-Men. Yeah. And so this issue, we get Herbert Wyndham, also known as the High Evolutionary, yeah. uh, showing up. And he has history with a lot of big name mutants. <laughs> oh, yeah. And characters who were later revealed to not be mutants, et cetera, and, yeah. et cetera. And not the not the least of which is Rogue, mm-hmm. apparently, because I don't know that story. <laughs> I don't either. Well, shame on us, yeah, right? <laughs> what the fuck? But on for for right now, it doesn't really matter. It's it's her, we also had seen High Evolutionary at that casino with Cordyceps Jones. Yes, and so there's the there's the. You know, the inevitable scuffle between a hum- a hero team and a perpetual bad guy. Right. They get over it. And yep. then Gene asks uh, Evolutionary about like, hey, is this guy a thing? And and yep. Evolutionary is like, it actually is. And uh, yeah. he's been placing bets about having to kill you, yep. about how to kill you. So that's a thing. Yep. And they're like, and the X-Men are like, well, shit. <laughs> we need to deal with <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> The real meat and potatoes to me is the last couple pages where yes. you have Orcus execs meeting with Ben Urich being yes. like, hey, I know you've been doing some investigating and I know I know your investigative skills because you're a badass. Yeah. And uh, here's some files from our Orcus security uh, protocols. And uh, it shows that Cyclops has indeed died. Yeah. So do with this what you will. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. So I know the outcome of this plot line. Oh, okay. Because it's it's specifically referenced in the in the Devil's Reign crossover. Oh, okay. 
and it's not going. So I know the outcome, but it's not going the way I thought it was going to. Like the lead up isn't going the way I thought it was. Oh, interesting. So I'm curious how this is going to work out. Okay. <laughs> I'm, cool. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm impatiently waiting for this middle part that connects the two things. <laughs> Fair enough. A couple other notes from X-Men 3. One, the the way that the X-Men basically stopped the conflict with the High Evolutionary was they gave him a drop of Sink's blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They want, yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. (laughs) And uh, Sink's like, I don't know if I made the right call. What if today comes back to haunt us? And Cyclops is like, LOL, it will. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it absolutely will. Okay, but you know, one hundred. Welcome to the X Men. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, we'll win then too. So whatever. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. sink. Two, I love how excellent this team is at eating with the people they saved and taking selfies together. Yeah, so they're two out of three for hanging out after the battle and having a barbecue. Yes. And I so think that's weird. really great as like a way to, you know, to, cause part of what they're doing isn't just saving the world. It's also PR. And so just like making these connections, building lines of trust, being like, yeah, we're, we're the X-Men. We're cool. We're, we're, we're your buddies and we'll come save yeah. your lives. That was really great. Dude. Second, conceptually. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Me being the, general skeptic, but also excited person that I am. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever trust being excited or calm when the X-Men show up just because (laughs) I know how many psychics are on Krakoa. This is true. Like I, I would never know if I gen genuinely feel safe or excited, even when I do feel safe and excited. That's a really good point. And like, it's easy for us to know as readers because we're not getting hit with these psychic waves of potential psychic waves. Yeah. But like, I would absolutely invest in buying a side dampener <laughs> if they were commercially <laughs> get a, available. Get a fucking Magneto <laughs> helmet and just be like, no. Absolutely. Are you kidding no, me? Fuck you. <laughs> I just, oh, man. I yeah. feel you. I, anyway. Yeah. Uh, you had a second point you wanted I have a few more. Uh, one, I don't know if this was meant literally, but Evolutionary in his conversation with Gene mentioned a hostile takeover of Mojo World, or or oh. that this game world, this game planet, whatever, is a, a natural outgrowth or evolution from Mojo World, and Cordyceps Jones did a hostile takeover of it. I don't know if he meant that literally, if that's supposed to, because mm. we saw. Mojo World or the Mojo Verse in the what's it called uh, X, X Factor, Factor. with mm-hmm. the resurrection uh, or the the return of Shatterstar and also Wind Dancer Sofia Montega. So I don't I don't I don't know, but I mean just, I think I I wonder if he I was made a just note like, of it. I made a note of it. Yeah, because they're similar ideas, right? It's a great note to make. Exactly. Yeah. So I I wonder if if because High Evolutionary is who he is, I think he was. I almost feel like he was just saying, this is the 616 version of yeah. the multiversal mojo world. Totally. It you makes, mutant, it, you know this reference. <laughs> yeah. It makes, that makes way more sense. I just wanted to bring it up. I agree. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great one. I, I, yeah. Something <laughs> I would point out too. Yeah. <laughs> if this, if this were, if this were a uh, shorter episode, I would have 
I would I'm sorry. Jumped into that. No, you could. <laughs> I love Scott and Jean's rock, psychic rock, paper, scissors. And I love, uh, and also making a note that Orcus recruited the Mars Explorer guy, Fei Long, who oh, plans yeah. on joining their leadership and not just being a martyr. So we'll see where that goes. That's probably yeah, like the throw he, forward to the next issue. Yeah. So Fei, because Fei Long, we got introduced to a couple of X episodes ago mm-hmm. uh, after the Hellfire Gala. He had plans to, like, he's been working his entire life to go and colonize Mars. And then the yep. mutants just did it overnight. And so his <laughs> like entire two company hours. stock fell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is absolutely um, something worth noting. Excalibur um, 23. Excalibur 23. I know you were stoked on this one. Uh, dude. <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of fun things happened in this issue and I don't know how much of it I'm going to be able to really dive into. So Dr. Doom is here because magic is involved and also Avalon is involved. And <laughs> this, this is why I said you'd be stoked on it. Yes. Mm, okay. So, 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 All the so, Doom. so, so, yeah. so, so in the past, Dr. Doom I thought it was traveled through time, but I think he just traveled to other world yeah. <laughs> and got trained in magic by Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. And then they also started dating and they were yeah. a thing. Yeah. And then Iron Man also traveled to Camelot this time. So like they have this bitter rivalry <laughs> between each other from, from this storyline. Of course. I used to know the name of the storyline. I used to be able to drop it for mm-hmm. you, but I'm no longer, it hasn't been brought up in so long. So anyway, so so Morgan Le Fay has been captured, spirited away. So like anyway, she's not around is the main thing. We yeah. And Doom knows this and he and he says that she has something of his that he wants back and now that she's not around, he wants yeah. it. So he goes and gets it. And yeah. the only way to get there or the easiest way to get there is through the Avalon uh, portals that that Krakoa has. And so he goes and requests permission and they're like, you can't go without a, without a mutant to travel with you. He's like, Oh, I have a Latverian mutant baby in my arms. It's fine. (laughs) And they're like, well, that's not, that's not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This ain't happening for you, but. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, so he's like, take me, escort me, let's go. And so X factor uh, takes some, uh, and escorts him through Otherworld and Avalon to go to deal with what was lost. And they get to um, Morgan Le Fay's castle, and it is just completely gone. Gone. And they're like, well, if something is missing, we can go to the High Street Crooked Market. Mm-hmm. We go to the Crooked Market because if something is missing, it's, it is it, it is known by the Crooked That's, Market. Yep. Let's go. Yep. Uh, geez. Uh, bah, 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 bah. There was something else that had happened. Oh, oh, we get talk of Mordred. Um, yes. Son of we King got Arthur. a lot of talk of Mordred. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Mordred is the bastard son of King Arthur of legend, and he is the heir to the throne um, from Arthurian legend. Yeah. I learned about Mordred from an anime. (laughs) 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 Uh, And just referentially, Mordred hates King Arthur. They hate each other, really. And Arthur was given, was, was told a prophecy that his heir would, try to kill would kill him and so he sent mordred away like as a baby or whatever so anyway that comes back to bite us later 
Doom and Betsy, Captain Britain, go and meet with Jim Jaspers, who is a an Omega level reality bending mutant, and who is the head of the crooked market. And Doom is like, I want, I want, <laughs> I want, I want the thing that I left in in, in Morgan's castle. Yeah. And Jim Jaspers is like, Well, what do you what do you want for it? What are you gonna? You have to offer me a price. Uh-huh. He's like, I'll pay anything. He's like, Please. I can. I don't need a price. Oh, like yeah, I don't I'll need make, money. <laughs> I can make anything. I. Yeah, I, can I, make I bend money. reality. Give like give me something <laughs> interesting. And he's like, come I will on, come buddy. through here. You know, it, it, I will invade you with all the forces of Latveria. And he says, "Great, that's what I want. I think all Sounds of Latveria amazing. should do it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So By the way, <laughs> some 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 background on Mad Jim Jaspers. He's formerly the prime minister of the United Kingdom. <gasps> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Dude, what a boss. Alan Moore writes some crazy ass shit. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, Jim's just like, oh, all of that varia, huh? Okay. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll take, <laughs> like, if I, des- if, if I decide to cross you or just call you for help, I will take all of that varia. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and in payment, here's this box. And that's like what the entire transaction was all about because the bo- apparently the box is what holds everything that's left of Morgan Le Fay's castle. Yeah. And Doom's like, well, this is dumb. And then he gets his box or whatever. And then a bunch of androids show up with the uh, against the rest of Excalibur and they start attacking the mutants. And then they start calling them friends of Mordred. Mm. And they're like, who the hell is Mordred? (laughs) (laughs) So there's that big old question. And then then the last page of the issue, we see what's in the box that Doom has. And it is the entirety of Morgan Le Fay's castle. It has been pimp particles shrunk down into this box. (laughs) And so now now Castle Doom... Doomstot has two castles and then <laughs> and then Megan and Betsy are kind of reviewing their little skirmish in the crooked market and they're like well what's you know friends of Mordred which breed yada 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 oh yeah shit. so they I they think, get I think I think Mordred's a mutant yeah well they they get confirmation basically because Doom sends a letter saying hey as as thanks for you know being my escort There was a scrying pool in Morgan's castle. I have no need for such things. Here, you take the water. And they use it. Mm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because all of the Furies and and everyone, you know, on Arthur's team in Otherworld has been calling them friends of Mordred. And they're like, what the hell does that mean? So now that no, it just means mutants. Yeah, so Megan has things. thing. says, both of Underworld and a mutant and with a real X-Gene, just like you. People didn't know what an X-Gene was when I was little. They just thought I was evil. If someone didn't know what a mutant was, what sort of curse would they believe uh, we were? I think Arthur cast out his son because he's one of us. I think friend of Mordred means mutant. And so that is the end of that issue. We get one more issue in Trials Volume 6, but we have so many other things to to that happen uh, before then. (laughs) Yeah. So we have X-Corp 3 and 4. Yeah, and then Trial 6 starts with X-Corp 5, so we can kind of go through all three. Sure, but I, I, have, to, um, okay. I have to talk about the, uh, the cliffhanger that was my life 
in the 24 hours between when I read <laughs> book five and okay, book six. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so X-Corp starts with, I guess, just a real quick breakdown. Of, well, yeah. So a breakdown of what Jamie Madrox is doing with X-Corp and how we're <laughs> tweaking a little bit what David's run of X yeah. Factor ex- yeah, yeah. explored with uh, with Madrox because now they're all purposed. They don't have different personalities, and that's fine. But Madrox has is going around creating dupes on a weekly loop, and yeah. uh, they all he's he's like had dupes go and learn like every branch of science and every branch of engineering and, and all this ridiculousness, Love and then come back to Jamie's him powers. I seriously come back to to come back to Jamie Prime to accumulate all of that knowledge, and then he creates more dupes that all have that shared knowledge, and so like he just exponentially gets more and more genius level. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. He could put like I. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so the entire research, uh, the the entire R and D division of X Corp is run by Madrox dupes. Yeah, and so we get this breakdown of their weekly schedule and it basically starts with on monday we create all the dupes they do all of their separate experiments they run their trials and then on friday evening they come back and accumulate all that knowledge and so he spends the weekend trying to solve whatever problems are left and then comes up with his dupes on monday again rinse and repeat it's a really cool weekly yeah, week it's so cool <laughs> I I can't even imagine. Oh, that's so cool! The this amount is the first of work. Of three really awesome, <laughs> like little one-page Madrox explainers in these three mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, I got very stoked on all of them. God, they're so cool. So, but what's so, the main plot? <laughs> yeah, so the main plot is basically the same as the main plot from issue one, uh, <laughs> which is they're launching a new product. In this case, it is a, a broadband service, uh, X-Corp Telecom. And they tap Vulcan, Bishop, Neil Shara, and Sunspot. Hey, Neil! Neil showed up! <laughs> and Sunspot. And they bring them all together as a solar energy circuit. And basically, they're, you know, attending conferences and having a big product launch and stuff. And they are being fucked with by... Noblesse pharmaceuticals and humans in general. Mainly this guy, Cole, who barely matters, and this woman, Sarah St. John, who seems interesting going forward. Layla and Jamie's baby is about to have its first step. Jamie sends a dupe to experience it, but dies before Jamie can absorb the memory. (laughs) It's fucking tragic. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah, big full hostile attack of humans during the product launch. Fucking Fenris is involved. <laughs> so gross. Mm-hmm. And then we get this really cool one page of JB Madrox doing uh, what's what they term multiple sabotage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's the so- X-Corp, the X-Corp bonus story. <laughs> yes. And this is a bonus story by Jason Liu. And it is non-linear comics so you have like a little you know madrox has on his uniform has the little lines and so 
basically each panel splits off into multiple different panels and there's three different storylines happening simultaneously and it has those little lines following the different madroxes going through this multi multi sort of stage plan to simultaneously you know infiltrate this compound and let out a bunch of mutants that are being experimented on and you know destroy it etc you know release the set a bomb release the uh the prisoners and get it out to the media so totally sick it's it's so much fun and i will say through all of this especially on the last cell they kind they they've pretty effectively kept madrox's personality yeah even like even though like the way they are exhibiting his powers uh has changed the base personality of madrox is still, still totally present yeah and, <laughs> and that was that the was, best part of of, of david's uh, x-factor yes. run so cool <laughs> it was something that i felt kind of got lost in in matthew rosenberg's madrox limited series like it was fun brain bending weird shit but it didn't really feel like jamie to me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, the the board is kind of settled, and and but they they vote against Warren because they've let in like Celine and Mastermind, and it's looking kind of villainy. Warren gets outvoted, and he and Monet fight over it. And I love that. I, I just wanted. I I only mentioned this because I love this explanation here. It finally gives a good reason for why all these random fights between heroes happen. And and he's like, we listen. We were taught like this. Like for humans, it might seem insane, but for us, it's how we were raised. You know, we have to in order to understand ourselves, we had to fight. You know, we had to explore our powers and use them. And the only people around to use them on safely was our classmates. So we just fight each other all the time. We literally <laughs> fight all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And Monet's like, yeah, we fought our, each other in danger rooms, you nostalgic lunatic. Not the executive lounge of our multi-billion dollar headquarters. It's like, this is a danger room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And... The like that fight ends up concluding because they go outside of the danger room. They see their campus and they're like, wait, are there humans here? (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that at that very moment, they're being infiltrated by Cole, Sarah St. John and the Fenris twins. Yeah. And Cole has lost everything. And he is, he is, Ready to take everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from from whatever their face is, from X Corp. Uh, and so this this issue ends with them storming the building, Madrox being like, oh, uh, what do we do? What do we do? And Prime is like, crap, everyone reabsorb real quick. So I have all of our data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Prime calls up to the executive suite and is like, hey, something's going on, something's going on. He's in, he's in. The elevator, he gets out of the elevator, comes out. As the elevator door opens, he's met with a pistol in the face <laughs> and then gets shot down by, uh, looks like, I think the Fenris. I think it was Fenris. Yeah. It might have been Sarah. Uh, the blonde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, and it's, the four, it's the four infiltrators just being like, all right, cool. Let's keep going. And that was the end of the issue. I turned the page and it was just like a collection of variant covers. Uh-huh. And I got 
pissed. <laughs> I, so <laughs> for context, <laughs> I brought these two books to read on my vacation from Monday to Wednesday. Yes. Monday night, I read uh, volume five. Tuesday night, I was going to read volume six. Yeah. So this is like 1.30 in the morning. I finished, I finished book five and it ends with Madrox being shot and dying or dead and on the floor of the elevator um, with a very hostile takeover starting. <laughs> yeah. And I actually said out loud, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I had to, I went to Disneyland literally <laughs> most of the day thinking about trials six and not the fact that I was at Disneyland. So, <laughs> so that was my day. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank goodness Trials Volume 6. The first thing I looked at, I flipped the book over and I looked to see what issues are included in Trial 6 and X-Corp issue number five is the first issue yeah. on Trial 6. Yes. Thank God. So, yes. <laughs> so we're now transitioning to Trials of X Volume 6. X-Corp Issue number five, Marauders 24 and 25, X-Force 23 and 24, and Excalibur number 24. Yeah. Man. So, X-Corp number five. Uh-huh. Basically, Mastermind and Celine just handle shit. They're amazing. I yeah. hate that they're so cool. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So, Celine is a psychic... Uh, she's a psychic vampire and an external. So yeah. she's immortal. Yeah. And she's incredibly evil. She's yeah, one, like, she's one she's, of those, like, how do you, you, you don't, you don't rehabilitate. <laughs> right. Like I, I legitimately would have listed her in like top five, pure evil ec- enemies of the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My only, exposure to Celine in my reading has been Necrotia. Yeah. Where she brought back all of the dead mutants mm-hmm. <laughs> as zombies to attack the X-Men. And it was evil AF and the art was beautiful. But yeah. <laughs> she also like she's create, not a good person. She also created Nova Roma to basically be able to continue living in ancient Rome because she enjoyed having slaves, more or less. (laughs) She created a fake Roman colony in South America just so she could continue having slaves. I mean, you know, human human, um, footstools are a lot more comfortable than your your typical Ottoman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what else? Uh, yeah, she she has been, you know, in her circle, the Hellfire Club, et cetera, et cetera. Although I guess, yeah. you know, you can say Kitty Pride has done that. So whatever. I don't have as much against uh, Mastermind as I do. Celine. Well, Mastermind was Mas- directly responsible for the Dark Phoenix saga. Okay, that was before my time, sir. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're looking at traumatic events in X-Men history, like top tier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one who mind fucked Jean Grey, more or less literally. And, you know, brought, right. well, I guess it wasn't Jean, it was the dark Phoenix, it was the Phoenix Force. 
but he 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 mentally corrupted the Phoenix Force. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Multiversal okay. entity of life and rebirth, and made it like okay. think like, hey, what if I just killed entire planets? How wouldn't that be kind of sick? This is going to be the weakest defense I've ever presented on this pod. I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah. Whose idea was it? Like, was it, was someone telling mastermind to do this or was this mastermind just being a dick? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just mastermind being a dick. This was, this was probably more a Shaw thing, Mm. you know, just, yeah. I mean, and, and Shaw, Shaw is even more ingrained in the heroics of the X world. So, (laughs) but okay. Okay. Just, like yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to remove any blame yeah. <laughs> from Mastermind's uh, involvement. Mas- in Mastermind that. has had <laughs> a little more like history of of possibility of redemption. Like when he was dying of the legacy virus, he had a good scene with the, the X Men came to him and they had a good scene together. Just like this sucks. I'm sorry. You know, like let's take care of this in a way where you can live with some dignity in your last days and also not cause a horrible disaster for everyone around you so Mm, mm. but yeah like all but then so just like on paper conceptually like mastermind being like the way he spins the use of his power to be like you need me for your pr like that just that's so cool yeah (laughs) that's so cool (laughs) (sighs) so basically like i for listeners who don't know who Mastermind is, <laughs> right? His powers are like mental projection. Like it's not—he's not a psychic. Like he—he he doesn't yeah. do like the telepath stuff. It's—it's it's illusion creation. It, but yeah, it's like it's—it's. Yeah. It's, but I feel like it's more than just creating the visual—the vision. Like he actually makes you believe it. Also, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like it's mental illusions and not just like smoke and mirror Mysterio illusions. It's true. So that's that's mastermind. So he makes you see what he wants you to see is <laughs> is his mutant power. And so he made himself. He proved himself useful in I think the second issue of X Corp. And so now we have him here again. Sp- Temporarily saving the day until they can finish saving the day. Because this is all happening during like an expo, a tech expo. Right. And so while they're dealing with this incursion by uh, Cole, JP Cole, Sarah, and the Fenris twins, Mastermind is down on the ground showing all of the expo goers what they should be seeing (laughs) of of their giant, whatever (laughs) this thing is called. And and they're like, we'll do the actual launch later. Let's let's just not lose face right now. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then do you have anything before the bomb and the buckyball protocol? <laughs> no, I'm just waiting to get to the buckyball protocol. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. Yeah. So basically the Fenris twins have their own built-in fail safe that since they're mutants, they can get into the resurrection protocols. So they don't mind dying. Yeah. So they strapped bombs to themselves to deal with the whole situation. And so 
They set themselves up to self-destruct. Oh, well, okay. The, what is the product that they're sending out? Is it going to be this ionosphere thing to basically make wireless transmission yeah, better, seamless? Better, better telecom better connectivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the original plan is for the Fenris twins to go to the machine that's sending out that ionosphere thing match the energy learn it and then do their own version of it like get yeah. rid of x corpse then have the energy and so they can do it for uh, jp cole their fail safe is to just explode and <laughs> <laughs> fucking nazi incest twins god damn it yeah yeah so the reason why we call them these is because they are the children of baron von strucker who the 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 struck like if you've just watched the mcu or if you've read the comics you know baron von strucker is one of the one of the main bads of hydra and very much a nazi and uh and and uh the apple doesn't fall far from the tree (laughs) for the fenris twins yeah okay so there's an impending explosion yeah and it turns out that Jamie has uh, thought about what if a bomb explodes <laughs> because we're dealing with some experimental explosive type stuff. What hap- What do we? How can we deal with an impending explosion? Are you familiar with buckyballs in physics? I've only ever heard of them. I've, yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about them. Yeah, same. <laughs> but it's apparently it's like a a. a a structure of carbon molecules arranged like a, a soccer ball named after Buckman, Buckminster Fuller, hence the Bucky. And mm-hmm. it is, I guess, like incredibly strong. All right. So Jamie comes up with a saying that they call the Buckyball Protocol. Yes. And basically, the idea is an explosion has impact. And if Jamie, who multiplies from impact, if he can dupe, create dupes at a, at a, at at a rate that could end up absorbing all of the impact of an explosion. (laughs) Yeah. You can basically save the day. Yeah. The, the, (laughs) the explosion will create the dupes that absorb the explosion and it will continue until the entire explosion is absorbed. Yeah. So so each dupe can absorb more impact to create more dupes to absorb more impact. Yeah. So on and so forth. That's the idea. Um, So that is, that is the, that is the application, the most wild application of of a really basic power <laughs> that is Jamie Madrox's multiple man. <laughs> so yeah, so they're like, well, we've done this in tests. We are all of one mind. Let's let's do it. Let's try it. And uh turns out they did save the day. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. And it's just absolutely insane. The buckyball protocol works. And then uh, Mastermind and Celine have been dealing with J.P. Cole. I don't remember what they're going to do with him. Yeah. Jamie Madrox goes through the resurrection protocols because Prime got killed. Um, <laughs> and then it basically ends with Sarah, Sarah St. John disappeared during the scuffle. 
she has renounced her partnership with JP Cole and the Friendless Twins. And she has she is now in talks with Peter Henry Gyrick from Orcus. Yep. So Orcus is is making their rounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of recruitment. God damn it. Mm-hmm. And that's it for X Corp. X Corp is is now done, and you know I think we both had kind of weren't overwhelmed by this series, but I think it ended well. I think it ended well. I think okay, so yeah, it started out really slow. Yeah, and but I think now that we've finished, I think the whole reason why that this series exists is to just show kind of the business side of Krakoa. Right. And like that it is figuring itself out. Yeah. It has powerful mutants involved. <laughs> yeah. And they have staying power. Right. X-Corp totally. has staying power. Mm-hmm. So now it can be a tangential story point in future X stories. Totally. I think two issues of maybe, Marauders. Yeah. Two oh, issues sorry. of Marauders. Oh, I just also, I think they may have been like, like this and Way of X seem to be like competing for a slot. In Destiny of X, mm. of like you know what, which was going to be able to continue. I think Way of X went out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, bi- yeah, business and religion. Yeah, <laughs> two two aspects of Krakoa that hadn't been explored in the first yep. two years. Important parts so of society. Here we are. There we go. Mm-hmm. Marauders. Two issues of Marauders. I so okay. I like. <laughs> I don't even care about. <laughs> the story. Okay. <laughs> it's for me, it's just the application of Marauders mutant powers. And for lack of a better phrase, without get, without giving anything away for the five minutes, the uh, survivability of of these mutants and how they use their powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you want me to do the, the plot real quick? Sure. <laughs> okay. And then you can jump in wherever. And rant at the end. But we're introduced to this guy, Eden Rickslow, a.k.a. like a million other. Fuck, what's the word? For when you have a name. Aliases. Thank you. And he is former Nova Corps counterintelligence who got kicked out or dishonorably discharged, rather. And he crash lands in Mars and he has history with Emma Frost. There's a ship there that he wants. And she's like, nope. I am not giving it back to you. This is a spaceship that responds to psychics or is, is piloted by psychics. That's awesome. We'll, we'll go way out of our way to make sure that you are comfortable, that you are well compensated, that you can have all sorts of other things going for you, but you don't get this. And we also get some really cool, just like kind of like the, we get like the Moss Eisley Cantina scene, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we see the we get our first real look at the Mars embassy for for Araco and just like how it's become an intergalactic hub overnight with tons and tons of different kinds of aliens just kind of intermingling and hanging around. We get the Greedo shot first scene <laughs> where Eden Rickslow definitely shoots first. Yeah. Kate Kate Pride is kind of dressed up as Han Solo. Like there's such a Han Solo thing going. Like this whole thing is yeah. is extremely Han Solo. Yeah, she's just not wearing a vest. That's it. Yeah. Uh Shaw is there too, just kind of like being gross and Shaw like. Yeah. <laughs> he absorbs a bomb 
And it's just like, no, nah, fuck you. <laughs> Dude, so yeah, Rickslow is is doing everything he can to kill these three. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just the, the powers are stacked against him. Yep. Like when I don't know when Rickslow first encountered Emma, if it was before or after the Genosha tragedy, but he did not know that she could turn to diamond. And also we had seen in like God, like two two years ago, like back in back in Dawn of X, that Emma is is training to turn to her diamond form faster than a gunshot. Yeah, uh, for survival purposes, and so we see the fruits of that labor here because he literally, like Rixel pulls the trigger of a laser blaster and <laughs> she turns to diamond before it hits her, and he's yeah. like. Ye- you can turn to stone. And she's like, oh, honey. And then Kate's like, my turn. And she punches him. And he's like, you bitch. And then shoots her with a blaster, but then just phases right through her. And he's like, come on. (laughs) This is ridiculous. And they're like, no, you're out of your league. We're leaving. And and they turn to walk away. (laughs) He's like, I bet even Ghost Girl's got to breathe and smoke bomb. And she has to go solid. (laughs) Emma's like, Catherine, may I intervene? (laughs) Just this once, <laughs> um, hits him, hits, uh, breaks a breaks a glass over his head, and then yep. they walk away. Like, stop! This is you're just gonna get hurt. And he throws a grenade right next to their face, and Shaw's like, "I got this." <laughs> Grabs it and just absorbs all of the kinetic blast <laughs> of the bomb Dickens. going off. And he's just like, "All right." And they're like, "Thanks." And he's like, "Eh, it was it seemed fun." <laughs> and Rixel's just like, "Come on, man." <laughs> Guys, just he's L's across the board. Incredible. Oh my gosh. While still being clearly a badass, just eating L's left and right. And and then they go to the peak to to get, you know, to basically pay off Rick Slow to get the stuff to pay off Rick Slow. And I think they give him logic diamonds and or mysterium. They give him mysterium. They give him mysterium. Okay. And they run into peepers and Peepers and Emma gives him a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> he says, come back sometime. We're not so busy. I love that everybody fucking loves Peepers. Every time, <laughs> every time somebody, like a long-term, well-established character sees Peepers, they lose their shit. And it's I know, like, first it's Magneto. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Magneto and Emma Frost are both just like, fucking Peepers! It's so good. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so the Marauders are like, all right, so now we've got the whole Marauder team. We've got Bishop, Kate, uh, Pyro, Iceman, Lockheed, uh, Pyro, Iceman, uh, Shaw, and Emma. They're having one last little feast on the ship, the Rickslow. And Rickslow's like, cool, well, I got my ship and I got my money, so... (laughs) And then just shunts them out of an airlock. Yeah. As that's happening, as they start to float through space, there's this B uh, cliffhanger plot that um, somebody else has been resurrected. <laughs> yeah. And it happens to be Lordis Chantel. Yeah. Which Lord knows how that's going to play out. Right. Yeah. The whole thing with the Hellfire Gala, Shaw's ex lover, who he thought was dead, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. idea how this will go. And we don't yeah, find out I'm, the next issue, yeah. but and yeah, and well, and they used 
Chantel's quote unquote death as the catalyst for mutants taking over the Hellfire Club. Right. Yes. Yeah. So very important character who's been in two issues ever. And one of them was <laughs> a, a backstory a to flashback. a reprint. <laughs> And so that was the end of that issue. Imagine having to wait a month and then. <laughs> okay. Okay. So okay. this next issue is the survival of the Marauders. Go for because it. All you. Somebody looked at these Marauders and were like, watch what I can do. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. So, 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 so. We have Iceman, my boy. And he's like, holy crap. So he makes, he makes, he doesn't have to breathe and it's cold in space, so fine, he's fine. So he makes a ball of ice around the six marauders, including Lockheed. And then everyone's trapped in. He he trapped in as much air as he could from from escaping from because of course he can track that I guess yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> so he has a ball of ice and he's like, okay guys, hold on, I'm gonna spin <laughs> so we can make some gravity. And so he <laughs> spins his little ball of ice and now creates gravity. People start to wake up and they're like, hey, okay, we gotta do this. Hey, I don't need to breathe, so you guys are good. I'm gonna stay in my ice form. And then Emma's like cool. I'm going to go to diamond form because I don't need to breathe my diamond form. So I'll use up less air. And they're like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what we should do. And they're like, okay, well, Pyro, so Lockheed can make fire and Pyro can control the fire and they could use that as a booster if we need to, but it's going to use up a lot of air. So maybe, maybe not so much. And they're like, hmm, I bet, I bet I have an idea. And so Han Solo Kate is like, I still have this blaster. Wait a second. Okay. How about this? Uh, Iceman, can you make like a bowl real quick? And he's, and he's like, sure. And then, and then, and then uh, she's like, uh, uh, "Hey, Lockheed and Pyro, can you guys uh, melt some water into this into this little thing?" And and she's like, hey, "You guys remember physics?" And then <laughs> takes her blaster, shoots electricity into the water, which creates more oxygen. So they're going to be fine for oxygen for for in perpetuity, basically. <laughs> and then uh, they're like, "Okay, so what should we do now?" Okay, we're, like we have time and, now, and this let's, lets let's them think. also heat the the thing without it using up yeah. all the the breathable oxygen so yeah. now so they're now not, not freezing freeze to, death to death either they have oxygen they're not going to freeze to death and they're like okay so now let's think rationally now that you know we survived in space so <laughs> now we need so propulsion Sean, so Sean Bishop are like I think I have an idea <laughs> they just start punching each other in the <laughs> just chest <back> and <laughs> And and they're like, oh, yeah. And so because both of their abilities is to absorb energy and amplify it and send it back. And so they just keep on stronger and stronger punches. (laughs) Just imagine the the womb from every punch. Um, and they're like, okay, okay, okay. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to use, we're going to use, we're going to use Bishop who can shoot the blast. He can turn this into an energy blast. So we're going to use Bishop to send ourselves flying. Okay. Okay. So Iceman, <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> so there, there's going to be a hole. So let's make a little, let's, let's make a, let's make a second room for, for everyone who needs to breathe to hang out in. And then. And then strap in Bishop and Shaw for them to do their blast. And then, okay, ready? And then Shaw's like, you want to do one more? And Bishop's like, bring it. And so he does one more. And then, and then Bishop's like, okay, let's do this. Then he he Kamehameha's out just the biggest pink blast of a laser to, to turn their little ball into a into a 
to a giant missile and then sends it towards um, the the ship because Emma telepathically sees the ship and is like, okay, this is the direction we want to shoot. They're like, cool, we got this. And then the, and then they're going and then and, and then there's a hole. And so Iceman has to pass the hole back up. <laughs> and Kate says, maybe maybe I should stop going to space. I know, poor thing. <laughs> I'm just I remembering. Just we, <laughs> just we just did the ish, the, uh, the revolution Claremont story where she has to jump in a suit from a space station back down to Earth. Right, and then God, like literally in two Sundays, I'm gonna read the issue where she uh she's she's in the bullet in, in oh Astonishing. God, so like yeah. yeah, Kate has a bad has bad luck with space. But anyway. <laughs> So 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 they're they're super close to the ship and uh, and Emma can see and she's like okay okay Kate jump this direction and she's like all right so she phases through the ice and just is just phasing through the space and then she gets to the ship and she phases through the ship and then she forgets to stop phasing <laughs> she falls through and gets to the bottom hits her face on the floor and breaks her nose again <laughs> that's a marauder theme. <laughs> Emma recommends a plastic surgeon later. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes and deals with Rickslow and just and just one-on-one just fucks him up. And then Emma's yeah. like, oh, here, let me help. Uh, and she turns off her pain receptors. And so she hits a little bit harder than she probably should. <laughs> um, and Rickslow gets his ass handed to him. And then they're able to get on board. The ice ball is able to get on board and, and they all survive. And, and it is just yeah the coolest <laughs> issue of survival. She, she, Kate takes off Rickslow's side dampeners and, and lets Emma come in and control him. And immediately he starts using all of Emma's like, yeah. like gestures. Mannerisms and and yeah. Fucking. This entire this issue it covers like maybe six minutes <laughs> of <laughs> right. life, and it is the coolest. I don't. It's. I don't think it's the coolest issue of Marauders, but it's up there. <laughs> I had so much fun with this. He. She also says to him at one point, like, "I, I was trained by a ninja. I guess that won't mean much to you, but it's something I tell the men when I get them to reconsider <laughs> wanting to fight with me." <laughs> it's so true. It's so great. And then, yeah. And then at the end, he's like, damn, ninjas are badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. And then we learned about Krakoan jury duty. Basically, Bishop is proposing a rotation system where the members who are not actively, or the, the citizens of Krakoa who are not actively being published in an X-Men team have to <laughs> do random training things, start wargam- wargaming once a season, and Magic calls it Krakoan jury duty. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I mean, if it were if there were any other mutants on the Marauders in that scene, um, it would not have gone that well. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. So much X-Force. <laughs> yeah, let's go to X-Force. X-Force. Man, this Man. has nothing to do with the story. But uh, <laughs> And I get confirmation in Inferno. But not, when I was reading this, I was like, is Beast getting fat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, like, he legitimately is getting a belly. Yeah. In these two issues of X-Force. And then in Inferno, we get a flashback to early Krakoa. And he is 
totally fit. So like, <laughs> it is actually a thing. He is actually getting out of shape. Yeah. And that's kind of cool because yeah. he's not, he's not on field duty with x He's not on field duty. And he's also like, he's under a lot of stress. He's probably eating poorly. Like, well, he, he had a salad for breakfast. Oh, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just cool. Like, yeah. That is the one positive <laughs> on Beast I'm going to give him right now. It's like he's actually positive. He's, got fat. <laughs> right? <laughs> positive art direction. Yeah. Well, like, he's legitimately, like, there are some full body scenes in these two issues where he is legitimately, like, he's, this is the fattest I've ever seen him. <laughs> That's fascinating. And he's had so many different forms. Yeah, he has. I had not considered, but you're absolutely right. Well, part of it is because I have my own self-diagnosed body dysmorphia about the size mm. of my stomach. Sure. And so <laughs> I, it stands out to me when <laughs> other people have a, a protruding stomach. A but Bella. like, sure. Yeah, he's got, he has zero muscle definition anymore. Yeah, it's true. Uh, other than his shoulders. Yeah. And like, I thought it was just, it was just me. I thought it was just like random art. Art, like artist mm-hmm. rend- rendition but in inferno you get like early days of krakoa yeah and he's he's an upside down triangle he's ripped <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right that is cool so anyway that has nothing to do with the story so i figured this would be the time to say it sure <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> not 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 yeah. you not this yeah uh, no x force x force <laughs> yeah yeah Mm-hmm. We have a, uh, a we started on a scene between Mikhail Rasputin and the Peacock Tattoo Man. Peacock Tattoo Man is delivering, you know, the the latest batch of super soldiers. They and has them fight a grizzly bear, and they have detachable punchy arm things, which is so gross. Like. We, we've been over this on the pod before. It's never a good idea. You think like, oh, it's it's punching, but it's a projectile. No, it's stupid. Then you're walking around with no goddamn arms. Yeah. <laughs> like even in the old giant mech 80s cartoons, yeah. the, the flying punch was a finishing move because right. you can't fight after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We are also reminded that they have the homunculus ability where there's a tiny version of them and, you know, like the, a Russian yeah, nesting Russian doll, doll all the way down to a microscopic level, which we learn when Beast decides to dissect one. Oh, my God. This is stupid. Yeah, so, so okay. So, yeah. So, that conversation. So, there's one, I think it's in this conversation, in this scene with the polar bear, where Mikhail says that he doesn't know the peacock masks name yeah do you think it's going to be somebody like an established character i kind of hope so that would be cool do you have any sort of like thoughts on who it might be who it could be because white guy with blonde hair doesn't really narrow anyone (laughs) yeah there's no defining characteristic for us to really like it would be cool if it was like a resurrected cameron hodge or something and he went for plant tech mm. instead of, yeah. But he doesn't have the glasses. And that's so, I mean, that like Cameron Hodge harsh. having LASIK yeah. is not, it doesn't fit. That That's, yeah, that's, I feel like that's too much of a twist. 
Yeah. Gosh, I was trying to think of like, who's the head of the purifiers? Oh, Stryker. Stryker. Like turned young. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I, yeah, it was just a thought in the back of my mind. So anyway, so when we had the Russian, Russian nesting dog guy show up in X-Force a few issues ago, the resolution of that was that they burned the bodies and so it would take care of all of the little nesting dolls. Right. Turns out, Beast spirited away one of those bodies. Right. So it didn't get burned and because he's just super curious. The scientific mind must know. Yep. And so he starts to dissect this guy who is clinically dead. And then a smaller version about the size of your fingernail pops out of this like mm-hmm. six inch, six inch uh, man and starts running around. And Beast is like, damn it. And he squishes it. And then there's an even smaller one that climbs down his one. ear hole. And now yeah. we have fucking microscopic battle royale. Beast brings in Black Tom, who has his own homunculus creation thing going on. Calls him Wee Tom. Grows a <laughs> little grows a little thing and has it go up Beast's nose and then they do dubious battle inside his body. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple other things going on this issue. Yeah. So Mikhail's working with Peacock uh, Man. Zeno. Peacock Man, but also this girl. Oh right. The yeah, he's got girl. a whole like Russian mutant force going on here. And he kind of has some things to say about like Moscow embraces these mutants, you know, the mutant nation grows inside mother Russia, like its favorite child, blah, 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 blah. So he's got the, the pale girl who we saw in the early issues of Wolverine by the same writer and a couple others as kind of like his allies. Yeah. And so something that I just really liked here that I haven't seen a lot of is like Russian pride Mm -hmm. and like the pale girl just goes on to talk about like the things that Russians are proud of Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you just don't really see from American comics very often. (laughs) I felt like this was a giant bundle of stereotypes. Oh, really? I was not particularly pleased with a lot of the, yeah, depictions of, of Russian culture here we'll get to it by the end but i could i want to talk about it at the end but like there was a lot of shit here where i'm just like you're going what now mm-hmm. so like she called she talks about like traveling long winter beneath the snow we are we all know our land is rich with treasures we are caviar we are touch tchaikovsky's uh nutcracker mandalay's periodic table the onion domes of saint basil's which I didn't know caviar and the periodic table were Russian, but yeah, those are cool. But it's it's just like it felt like something I get, not being very internationally aware at sure. all. It it felt like like pale girl talking to Mikhail about like things that that the that Russians are proud of. That's true. I'm I'm in for that. I I think just like the tenor of you know the like you know, Russian mutants are communistic in their role. We work for the service of the country and the benefit of all, like it's kind of like playing into some of the stereotypes of how like the Soviet union was like country where people didn't have individuality and, and were very like staunchly and, and like cultishly obsessed with the good of the state, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there's some more later, but anyway, yeah, the, 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 he, Zeno, the, the, the pale, 
the pe- the peacock man insults Russia, calls it a snowy wasteland with full of vodka so it's soaked peasants, and Mikhail just teleports him into a black nothingness. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. Your own yeah. personal gulag. And mm-hmm. he he's he got saber tooth. He's in the hole. Yeah. And you know, Mikhail can do that. Those are his powers. That's terrifying. So yeah, what are is is he rea- reality warper? Reality warping slash tele like cosmic teleportation, basically. Okay. And also, how did he come back? <laughs> Which time? I don't know, dude. <laughs> so okay, so because my frame of reference for Mikhail is that he died to the legacy virus. No. He was dying of the legacy virus. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cuz he, he yeah, he had the he had the legacy virus. But he, so did Ileana and she did not die from the legacy she virus. She did die from the legacy virus. She, she did. She came yeah, very tragically. That was what led Colossus to join the acolytes. Um, but this was so this was so Ileana was de-aged at the end of Inferno and then as a child died of the legacy virus. Okay. Mikhail did have the legacy virus. He was we recently saw him in the 12 in my reading. Yeah. By recently, I mean in, in my in my reading. Yeah. He's been like considered dead many, many times, and, and he always just kind of shows up. So I don't I don't know, man. Mm. It's reality warping. Yeah. <laughs> Let's us believe what we want to believe. Right, exactly. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I just I I always thought he was dead because when talking about the Rasputins, it's only ever Colossus and Magic. So I just assumed he was dead. Right. Could just be my wrong assumption. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> he's just he's just kind of like shows up for a storyline and, and then is kind of forgotten of for the next five years. Like <laughs> repeatedly. Okay. So we have, oh, and then so the the rest, the last of this of first two issues is we come across someone else in Mikhail's black gulag. And yes, uh, this guy's, we come across this guy, I guess, called the Chronicler. Yes. Do you know who this is? No, he's a new character. He's new. Okay. It seems to, to me that either through magic or mutant ability, Whatever he writes mm-hmm. uh, comes true. Yes. As, with a certain within, level of influence. Within a certain level of influence, he has to be have some sort of connection to the person he's writing about, a, a knowledge of them. And he can't he can't push them too far away from what they would do. Their personal beliefs. Yeah. yeah. And so he wrote the speech that Mikhail gave to the Kremlin. Yep. Which is basically getting Mikhail more and more power. Right. And so Mikhail's like, hey, the test run was amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> onto the onto the real the real meat and potatoes. Right. And Chronicle's like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, well, too bad. Let's do this. I can't believe it took them this long to invent somebody with this power. You've got writers <laughs> who, are, <laughs> who have been writing superheroes. <laughs> 
I would say that this is for 80 to, years. For me, this is the third time I've come across this kind uh, of power. Okay, fine. A similar power. Yeah. There's there's the the I talk about them referentially a, a lot, not on the pod, but like in Miss Marvel, there were the storytellers. Okay. Yeah, storytellers were a bunch of children science experiments that okay. basically could tell a story and make it real. And then there's also Kid Kaiju, who is an inhuman who can draw any monster and they become real. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that one before. Yeah. And then and then now you have Chronicler who can write anything and it'll become real. Okay. So yeah, it's it, like tangentially I've seen That's these fair. powers, yeah, but not yeah. this specific, mm-hmm. like it's what I write. Just Which like means he can never use a computer. Like I right. feel like oh, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm just anyway. thinking like these these self-obsessed, you know. I, I'm a writer. I we're all self-obsessed egotists, we're completely <laughs> in love with what we have to say. And mm-hmm. in the the history of the, like just the sheer percentage of stories and novels and, and you know things out there that are a writer writing about writing is embarrassingly high. It should be banned forever. But anyway, <laughs> this is kind of I, I guess I'll talk about the the sort of you know portrayal of Russian culture now. This guy's just like a horrendous alcoholic, and it's like okay, come on, dude. <laughs> like mm. and and the, these these Russian nesting doll super soldiers, it just seems ridiculous. It's it, it's there is an argument that's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So yeah, so that's really it ends all I had to with, say on that. It ends with Mikhail being like it's time for the, the real meat and potatoes. And uh, you have this handwritten Russian thing that says Pyotr Rasputin. Some, 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 Russian, Russian, Russian. I used my Google lens to try to translate what it said. And since it's handwritten text, it doesn't read it as well. But I was able to pull out short history of okay with Pyotr Rasputin. Interesting. Did I send you that picture, that screenshot? Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. Okay. Yeah. I was, it took me a while to try to get that screenshot. I had to get <laughs> like the right angle because it's all, it's like, it's like handwritten cursive right. text. Yeah. It's impressive. So it's hard. It's hard for an AI to pick up everything, but totally. short history, mm-hmm. just make it sound like he's going to kill him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. And then you get the next issue and we do see. Yeah. <laughs> And oh we we see that you know he that Mikhail is able to manipulate the chronicler through wine and booze, basically, yeah, basically, and is able to kind of make him do or write anything despite his misgivings because he is a fiction writer with integrity. And nope, nope, you're just a you know low down alcoholic who only cares about his next fix, etc. So. Yep. And we have, so now it's just two plots going mm-hmm. forward. Yep. It's uh, the plot of Mikhail making Chronicler write Colossus's story. Yep. And Black Tom and Beast we Tom. dealing with, we Tom dealing with the um, microscopic uh, Nesting Doll Man. Yeah. And we also get scenes of Colossus in the Savage Land harvesting Krakoan flowers. Yeah, well, that's 
with yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, Chronicler's yeah. story yep. for Colossus yeah I I'll talk about Wee Tom okay go for it so the Wee Tom so basically Wee Tom chasing down uh nesting doll man he gets to him he kills him and then nesting doll turns into three little even smaller guys and we tom's like damn it then he falls into beast's stomach and he's like well i think stomach acid is gonna be a bitch and then (laughs) (laughs) and then beast is like well i had a krakoan salad for for breakfast today he's like so it's like you could probably affect the plant matter in there. He's like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> and then, so he just uses the plant matter in, can you imagine what that felt like? No. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so he uses the plant matter to uh, deal with the nesting dolls. Suppose he, I guess he gets all three and gets them to, gets Beast to throw it all up. Beast has, <laughs> uh, he creates a will-o'-wisp, a little fireball somehow because it's plant-based, I guess. And then he's always been able to black Tom's always been able to uh, generate uh, energy blasts out of uh, plant material. Oh, well, there you go. First, it was just his shillelagh, because if we're going to do cultural stereotypes, we can't stop with the Russians. No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) So that's dealt with as we uh, so we think. And then Beast uh, starts basically hallucinating and sees the little nesting doll standing on Black Tom's nose. And he's like, oh, my gosh, uh, it's on your face. I have to deal with it. He grabs the scalpel and and Black Tom's like, you're being ridiculous. It's not on me. And then Beast uh, looks away. He's like, oh, shit, you're right. It's not on you. It's in my eye. So let me take this scalpel and just immediately without thinking gouge out my eye and then squish my eye and it's like okay uh, i've done it (laughs) krakoa is safe (laughs) and that's that's that plot that was really creepy and really weird and beast is fat and he's (laughs) tore out his eye but i'm not even under the impression that unless unless we Unless he will-o-wisps the eye gunk also. I'm not under the impression that we're safe. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's true. We didn't see an, an even smaller humun- homunculus walking away and going, hee So I yeah. think it might be fine. And But also, unless they can regrow, how much damage is that guy going to do? <laughs> I don't like, know. They can write as much damage as they want that he can do, but like... Right. If it if it was small enough to be stuck in his eye, and then that's gonna nesting doll to even smaller. If it can't, like it's not like it it doesn't run at the speed of a regular <laughs> human. Like it's not gonna go very far. So yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't I feel know. like once it's small enough, it's it's negligible. Anyway, how about this Colossus plot? Yeah, Chronicler manipulates Colossus into basically he's painting states Krakoan state secrets. To sell to the outside world and then kills Kayla, his his girlfriend, his lover, when she says something about it. She confronts his paintings and she's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's yep. like, let me explain. And he opens his arms and he holds her and he hugs her and then he cracks her neck. Yep. <sighs> That's fucked up, man. I just like, it, it's just, you're not treating Kayla as a character at all. She's, she's just there to be killed. She kind of got fridged, huh? Yeah, like kind of anti-fridged, like because right. fridging is when you a character only exists to be killed to motivate the protagonist, and this is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something and slightly just, different from that. But yeah, and and so Chronicler writes that he digs her a grave 
And that's going to be quickly overgrown by Kirkcohen flowers. Mm-hmm. He sheds a tear and then wash, and then takes a bath. And <laughs> in comes Professor Xavier, who says, I was hoping we can talk. I, I think, thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Xavier knew right? that he was going to go deal with this. But the... <laughs> As we anyway, learn in Inferno, something else follow is going up on. This in Inferno. Yeah, man, man. So, 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 Colossus is basically completely Michaela's compromised. Puppet. Yeah, for now, for now, man. And like, yeah. how do you tra- like? <laughs> Chronicler is a new character, so like, we're not getting you know his full like exploration of powers and weaknesses right. and stuff. But like, how do you track that? Yeah. How do you learn of Chronicler's influence to I don't deal know, with dude. it? And yeah, maybe he needs a Magneto helmet or something. Anyway, so uh, Trial 6 ends with Excalibur number 24, and it primarily deals with Betsy Braddock visiting the rulers of Sevalith, the vampire kingdom of Otherworld, uh, because the Furies and an assassination attempt that was thwarted within a within a panel were all Sevlith or originated. And so yeah. as Captain Britain, uh, Betsy goes and confronts them. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> That's kind of that main plot, but then a handful of other things go down. Mm-hmm. A very interesting conversation between Jubilee yes. and the fairies of the forest. Yes. Talking about how Shogo is happy as a dragon yeah. here in in Otherworld. Yeah, this is basically his home. But, yeah. you know, he still needs his mom, so they're going to have to compromise on that. Mm-hmm. And so, and Jubilee is like, listen, I'll bring him back as often as he wants, but he's, yeah. he's staying with me. I don't mind being selfish on this. Yeah. And then uh, you've got Gambit hanging out in the crooked market. Yeah. And like, I'm starting to really like Jim Jaspers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> From reading these issues. Well, first of all, Jim Jaspers is on a, going out on a walk with some human faced dogs straight out of like Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what's his face? R- Remy Gambit is at the Crooked Market, basically kind of doing some independent sales of earthwares yeah. to people. And Jim Jaspers is like, uh, you don't do deals in my market without my approval. Uh-huh. So um, what's up? And <laughs> and Remy tries to put the sly, sly lines on him. And Jaspers is like, you need to understand I make everything I want. If I if I wanted something from you, I would yeah. just make it. What yeah. do you <laughs> just give like don't be don't be an idiot. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna do business here, do it through me. That's right. all I'm saying. Right. Goodbye. I if I don't want you here, I will make you go. <laughs> you need to understand this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just like the like nonchalantness of Jim Jaspers and how he like, but like the way that he's able to just like flip his tone yes. is so interesting to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I want more Jim Jaspers. I had no idea who the fuck he was uh-huh. uh, before reading Marauders <laughs> or, or fucking um, Excalibur. He's not a character who's been down. used much. Yeah. 
I'm down for Jim Jaspers. Hell Give yeah. me these weird um, omnipotent uh-huh. reality warping mutants. There's a lot of them. There really are. There really, really are. <laughs> like the way that Jim Jaspers uses his powers makes me more excited than how Jamie Braddock's been using his powers. But mm-hmm. I want the two of them to have a very like heated argument. <laughs> and we're not even addressing the third Omega level mutant reality warper on other world, which is Mr. M. Oh God. Yeah. We haven't even seen Mr. M. Yeah. They're just holding that one in their back pocket. Yeah, this motherfuckers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, so Betsy isn't getting the answers that she wants from the twin sister rulers of Sevalith. And so she goes and meets with death, Ugh. has a little sparring duel with them and has a conversation. And then she's like, you're a, you're a pretty good fighter. Roro, uh, Storm was, Storm was right about you. And she, and he, and death is like, Storm was talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Lady Storm. She remembered me. <laughs> she, she, she knows who I am. <laughs> Fuck! I would. I, I would. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? Oh, getting, getting, oh, getting third-party story acknowledgement of, okay. of from from Aurora Monroe, like Sto- the Sto- most. Storm knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, <laughs> Sue Sue Storm. And something about the storm name, uh-huh. but Sue Storm, storm maybe and also Aurora the storm Monroe, name, uh, right? No. <laughs> sure, but <laughs> but like those two women yeah. are some other than reality warpers are some of the most <laughs> powerful women <laughs> characters. Sorry, not even I don't want to qualify it as women, yeah. but they are just some of the most powerful and underutilized, but most badass mm-hmm. characters in yeah. Marvel. Yeah. I love them so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> like, how great would it be to have a Storm solo movie? <laughs> Man, if they didn't already use her, Angela Bassett would destroy. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, no, there are other great yeah. black women actors. That would be, so, be so cool. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. I'd be mm-hmm. so down for that. Ugh. Anyway, so this issue ends with well, starts to end with the trial of the false captains Britain, who are yeah. the Jamie, the monarch made Captain Britons of Richter, Gambit, and Rogue. They're created by uh, <laughs> by Jamie being like, "Oh, you guys want to fight for the crown? Here, be a Captain Britain." Yeah, <laughs> basically. Some weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> and so Saturnine is like, "Hey, so uh, y'all are false." You're not a brat. Basically, her argument is like, you're not a Braddock. You, you shouldn't be a Captain Britain. Mm-hmm. And um, Betsy defends them, saying like they embody the belief of Captain Britain. They they follow through on the mission of the Captain Britain. Right. Why not be a Captain Britain? Right. And then the trial gets cut short because. Freaking Merlin is like, hey, by the way, I've had Arthur the whole time, yeah. and he's not happy that Saturnine took <laughs> took his throne. So here's Arthur and his army. You guys want to deal with this instead of your petty little false captains, Britain? Yeah. And then, uh, so a fight 
ensues basically between Excalibur because they don't want to get the Captain's Britons right. uh, involved. And and so, it seems like Shatterstar has for realsies joined Excalibur. Joined. Yeah. I, I love this. So what a great place for him. Just he needs to be somewhere swordsy so he can he can <laughs> <laughs> so he can just live his best swordsy life. Yeah, yeah. And then also Belle. Yeah. Uh Warlock Duck Doug's wife. Uh Bay. Um it's B E I. Bay. My bad. Yeah. Not Bell. Bay is on at least he, she's either on Excalibur or she's here sure. on this mission yeah. for this story. I don't know. Either way. But she's excited to fight. And then yeah. uh, Megan <laughs> and <terrifying>. Brian. <laughs> Megan and Brian join. They're like, uh, okay, let's do this. And so it's Arthur and a bunch of vampires and the Furies. And here they go. And it, it, it like the the issue ends literally mid battle. So yeah, we'll see where this goes. We'll see where it goes. But man, what a what a run. What a five, what a six run. run. Yeah. So we're at two hours. Normally we would end here, but yeah. normally this also would have been a two and a half hour episode minimum because we rushed it because right. we want to talk about five issues of Inferno. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Future Will. <laughs> we went too long because there's too much to talk about. So uh, we're gonna put we're gonna we're gonna cut for a second. Uh, we're gonna put the outro music here, and we'll be back. Okay, bye.